everybody. It is Monday. I am feeling significantly better a week out of having my wisdom tooth pulled. It does still hurt a little, uh, but there for a while I was in a ton of pain. Uh, I'm in a much better place now, as you can hear from my my giggles and upbeat voice. But uh, today is going to be a good news episode of The Breakdown. I want to talk about a huge development here in New York City. And it is what I think could be one of the most important breakthroughs as we fight against police violence and mass incarceration. It's one of the most important breakthroughs, I think, of even the past 10 years. And it's something that I know can be duplicated in your hometown. Let me unpack and explain it. Let's talk about it. Let's dig in. I'll tell you what I'm talking about right after the break. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The the, the Breakdown. Last week, the mayor of New York, Bill de Blasio, who is incredibly unpopular here in the city, but does does some good things. And, and we're in the thick of he is he has had his final term and he's in his final year in office and we're in the thick of a mayoral election. And what we're about to see is that as frustrating as Mayor Bill de Blasio has been, particularly on policing and law enforcement accountability, I mean, he's, he's frequently been terrible. It is possible that we will have someone less progressive and even more problematic than him elected as mayor. And when he does good things, it doesn't really get celebrated or get the coverage because he's he is a pretty bad politician. <laughs> just to like just to lay it out there, like a lot of being a good politician is is being good with people, uh, is being good with the media. Um not not just being present, but having a personality and like connecting on a human level. And that's not what he's great at. And so this past week, he made an announcement that should have sent shockwaves around the country and should have been picked up for national news, but it just wasn't. In great part because people just don't care what he has to say. But after New York, and I'm speaking of New York City, you know, often we say New York and there is a state here (laughs) outside of the five boroughs of New York. But in New York City, we've had a pilot project for the past year where in two districts in Harlem, which is at the top of Manhattan, for those of you who don't know, Manhattan is an island inside of New York City. And at the top of that island is a community called Harlem. And in two areas of Harlem for the past year, when there was a mental health call to 911, instead of sending police officers, they've been sending trained mental health professionals. New York City 
last year got over 154,000 calls for mental health emergencies to 911. A staggering number. You do the math, it's over 400 calls a day to 911 in one American city. Over 400 calls a day to 911 just for mental health emergencies. Like we're not talking about everything else, just one type of emergency here in the city. Over 400 calls a day, over 154,000 calls a year. And that pilot was so successful, as these pilots have been all over the country, that pilot was so successful that the mayor just announced that for mental health calls, they're going to send trained mental health professionals to every 911 call in the city, expanding it beyond one community in one part of the city, expanding it to all of Brooklyn, all of Manhattan, all of Queens, all of the Bronx, all of Staten Island, that when people call 911 with a mental health emergency, they're going to send mental health teams. Now, sadly, that's not a switch that the mayor can just flip and it's ready to go. There has to be training, hiring, the development of teams. And, you know, my argument is and always will be to say, let's just do the math. And when you remove 154,000 calls from the NYPD, let's just do the math on what their budget would be for that and remove that budget from the NYPD and literally then fund the mental health professionals and teams and leaders and training that needs to happen here so that there are vehicles and and scores of teams all over the city that can respond to this. And we know that this is not only going to decrease police violence, but that it's going to decrease incarceration. It's going to decrease not just the number of people killed by police, including here in New York City. It's not just going to decrease that number. It's going to decrease just the number of people who are harmed, traumatized, and injured because mental health professionals don't choke people to death. They don't taser people to death. They don't shoot people to death. They don't beat them to death. They don't arrest them. They don't send them to jail. And what we've seen, not only in pilot projects, but in cities, towns, and counties across the country that are starting to do this, they are having an amazing amount of success. Some cities literally never had to send a single person to jail when when the family called a mental health specialist. It's what we need to be doing in your hometown. And if you're listening to this today, I don't know what may be going on in your city, and your county. It's what we need to do everywhere. And multiple studies have already determined that in some states, nearly 50% of all people killed by police were suffering mental health emergencies. Other places, it could be 20, 30, 40, 50%, sometimes more than 50% of all people who are killed and maimed and harmed by police were suffering a mental health crisis. And we need to remove those calls from police departments. Now, police departments, they want all the work. 
because that means all the money, all the overtime, all the staff. So they're going to always fight these changes and tell you how disastrous it's going to be. It's a money, it's a money play, a money grab for them. This is an amazing development because for the modern history of law enforcement, what happens in New York trickles down in other cities and counties all over the country. New York is America's largest city. And other police departments and other governments study what happens in New York to see like, well, if if New York City gets 154,000 mental health calls a year and they're going to begin dispatching mental health professionals, then, yeah, you can do that in your city. You can do that in your county. And we should not allow funding to be the barrier because, again, we never allow funding to be the barrier on policing. We have literally the most heavily funded law enforcement apparatus in the history of the world in this country. Money is never a problem for them, for whatever they need, for overtime, for staffing, for new hiring. All of that needs to be frozen, and we need to figure out how do we pivot and not only dispatch police, as we're going to do here in New York City, to mental health calls, but how do we make sure that we, again, rather, how do we make sure that we do not dispatch police to mental health calls, but also how do we not dispatch police to issues of substance abuse and substance use? How do we not dispatch police to issues of poverty and homelessness? Unless there is a frightening report of violent crime, send somebody else, anybody else. Because what is already happening in my own house and in black households and even in immigrant households across the country is when we're in trouble, we don't even call 911. We literally call family. We literally call friends because we don't want police here. And that's not okay. Like we pay for these things just like everybody else. And so we should, theoretically, we can't, but theoretically, we should be able to call 911. It's ours. We should be able to call it and not worry that when police get here, they might shoot and kill me or my loved ones. Not worry that when police get here, when we're having an emergency, that they might arrest us and send us to jail where we might be killed or maimed or harmed, where we may be kept so long that we lose our jobs or lose our children. Like, no, we don't call 911 in our house. And most houses never call 911, most black houses. And in a lot of ways, I said this in a piece, listen, if you're not yet a member at the northstar.com, please go and join today. Yesterday I wrote part nine in a weekly series that I have called Abolition. And it's about how we have to revolutionize 911. And and for all my white listeners, this is not a knock on you, but white people often use 911 as like white people customer service. Like most white people understand that 911 was created for them to get them through their emergencies, to get them through their challenges. And so that's why we have, you know, Karens across the country 
when they're just irritated by anyone black or any person of color, they just call 911 because they think it's their personal customer service line to help them take care of their problems. And so we have to change this. We have to radically change it. And we begin piece by piece by saying, you know what? When you call 911, all mental health calls need to be routed to an entirely different department. Route that to your Department of Mental Health Services. And yeah, your city and your county needs one of those. All right? I think that if we do this well, we can not only reduce police violence, but reduce mass incarceration in a major, major way. Listen, I've got to run Monday. I'm about to head into a manager's meeting for Grassroots Law Project. Monday is a big meeting day for me. But love, 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 and appreciate each and every one of you. Everybody have a great day. Have a great week, and I'll be right back here tomorrow. Today I'll be here. This week I'll be here every day, all right? And remember, please, we need you to become members at thenorthstar.com. The North Star underwrites the cost of each and every episode of The Breakdown to pay our staff, our producers, our editors, uh, all of our team is able to do what we do because of our members at thenorthstar.com. Take care, everybody. Break it down. Hi, this is Donnie Rose, Chief Content Editor here at The North Star. Encouraging you to check out thenorthstar.com every day for insightful, engaging commentary on the stories that impact our culture. The writers at The North Star make it our mission to advocate, mobilize, agitate, and disrupt in the name of creating liberation-centered content. We unapologetically center the narratives of Black, Brown, and Indigenous people. We understand that you can get news from anywhere, so we are more interested in offering perspective that speaks to the experiences of our audience. We write freely and with freedom on our minds. We invite you to indulge in our daily editorials and engage in the dialogue that will change the world. Ooh, it's the pathway to freedom.